Welcome to Dinosaur George Kids. A show for anyone who loves dinosaurs. Dinosaur George has studied paleontology for over 50 years and has performed live to over 4 million students across the world. So sit back and enjoy today's show. Now, here's Dinosaur George. Hey there, future paleontologists. I'm Dinosaur George, and I am with you for another hour. Sometimes these virtual, I mean, these podcasts go longer than an hour. And um, I know they go long, but the way I set them up, hopefully, is for those of you that are only interested in the, um, in the feature creature, I put that up towards the front. So that you can listen, and then if you want to hang around for the rest of it, you can. So nice to hear from you all. I've been receiving so many nice messages, and in some cases, even letters and drawings, and I just, I can't thank you all enough for the kindness and the courtesy you show me, and uh, it's just, it makes this job so great. couple of personal shout-outs first. I want to give a shout-out to Henry who just a few minutes ago, I did a birthday lesson for he and his buddies. So, Henry, thank you so much for letting me be part of your birthday. I appreciate it very much. Also, um, out at Trader's Village this weekend, I was I was out there this weekend, which is my museum in San Antonio, Texas, and I got the technology is great. Uh, one of my uh, Patreon Club members, Akash, his aunt, I think it was his aunt, was visiting San Antonio, visiting her boyfriend here in San Antonio, and they came out to Trader's Village to see my museum, which is still being under construction, so it didn't look great, but anyway. Um, while she was there, she did a video hookup with Akash, and I was able to see my buddy uh, Akash, so I was, I think he was in Chicago, I think that's where he's from, I know that's where his aunt is from. But anyway, I got a chance to video chat with Akash, which was the best, buddy. It was nice seeing you, and please make sure to tell your auntie how much I appreciate her doing that. That was very, very nice. And then, of course, speaking of Traders Village, Warren. Warren and his family stopped by. Warren is a Patreon Club member, and he stopped by to say hello, and I gave him kind of a private tour of all the cool pieces that were still going in. It was great seeing you, Warren, and your family, and... uh I understand you are quite the artist, and I'd love to see some of your artwork one day. And then my little best friend, uh, Isabel, who is my favorite. Isabel and her family, mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, they stopped by, and her dad is a is an incredible um, uh, baker. I guess that's what you'd call it, because he makes cheesecakes. And he made me this incredible cheesecake. And I've got to be honest with you. As soon as I got home last night, I immediately ate all of the strawberries on it. (laughs) I I love strawberries. So I ate every strawberry off of the cheesecake. And then I had a slice of cheesecake for dinner. And then I had a slice right before I came in here and started recording this. So, and it was delicious. You are incredible. Incredible chef. It was just remarkable. And uh, 
the the cheesecakes were the best and i i do have a sweet tooth when it comes to things like that so uh shout out of course isabel she and i got to walk around and look at all the pieces that were going in and hopefully i'll be able to get them all set up i think i hope to have them all set up within the next couple of weeks so if any of you are ever visiting traders village or ever visiting san antonio i hope you can come out to traders village and i get a chance to meet you in person all right so we are up to 362,000 downloads of this podcast, which I just cannot thank you all enough. And um, everyone is, is just really doing well. And I'm so happy that you guys enjoy these. It makes it all so much fun for me. Uh, it's one thing to come in and record a podcast. That's a lot of fun. And that's sort of a neat thing to do. But for me personally, it is very rewarding when I get a chance to meet some of you in person, when I get to actually see you, whether I'm doing a virtual private lesson for you or I'm doing a virtual lesson for an organization and you are on there, or if you are part of the Patreon club where I get a chance to see you um, at least once a month, sometimes twice a month. I, it's just, I enjoy it very much. And I, and I hope all of you enjoy uh enjoy these podcasts as well somebody asked me if i would ever consider recording these podcasts and putting them on youtube and i'm certainly going to try to do that but i have such a busy schedule that's just one more thing that would be a little hard for me to be able to do so but i will try i promise you i'll i will absolutely try and then uh one other thing i'm waiting for this one report to load which tells me the numbers of countries where we have listeners and the numbers of cities where we have listeners. So I'm waiting for that to load. So here we go. 147 countries. I am heard in 147 countries in 9,762 cities. And the top 10 countries where I have listeners include United States is number one, but of course that's where I'm from. So that makes sense. Canada is in the number two spot. United Kingdom is number three. Australia is number four. And I'll tell you this, listeners in Australia, uh, you are quickly getting ready to beat the United Kingdom as far as listeners. You can almost go to number two. You might even actually beat Canada, which is crazy. Uh, Ireland is number three. New Zealand is number four. India, then Germany, then Japan, then South Africa. Those are the top 10 countries where I have listeners. But when it comes to the cities, this is interesting. Sydney, New South Wales is the number one city for listeners. Now, this is just the city itself. Melbourne is number two. Seattle, Washington is number three. Ontario, Canada is number four. Alberta, Canada, Calgary, Al uh, Calgary and Alberta is number five. Los Angeles, number six. Chicago, number seven. Columbus, Ohio, number eight, Houston, Texas, number nine, and Portland, Oregon, 10. Now, my city of San Antonio is not in the top 10. Shame on you, San Antonio. Oh, you know what? San Antonio is number 11. Only, oh, this is pretty cool. Only 22 listeners short of Portland, Oregon. So San Antonio if I had 22 more listeners, they would get jumped up to, to number 10. So anyway, it's just fun reading those, and I hope you enjoy them. And now, and now, it is time to talk about our feature creature. Feature creature. 
It's time for our feature creature segment. If you would like to suggest a creature, go to the Dinosaur George Kids podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com or post your suggestion on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group page. Now, here is your feature creature. You know, when we think of giant carnivores, Tyrannosaurus Rex is immediately at the top of the list. But it has an Asian cousin who was just as much a terror in Asia as T-Rex was a terror in North America. Across the other side of the world, we have an Asian Tyrannosaur, and its name is Tarbosaurus. Tarbosaurus is so similar to Tyrannosaurus Rex, some scientists actually suggested of maybe changing Tarbosaurus's name. They're thinking, now this, is, this has been a conversation that's been taking place for a long time, but some wanted to call it Tyrannosaurus Batar. All dinosaurs have a first and last name. All animals have a first and last name. But all dinosaurs have a first and last name. Like you and I, we all have a first and last name. Well, Tarbosaurus is its first name. Batar is its last name. Here in North America, Tyrannosaurus is its first name. Rex is its last name. So there's Tyrannosaurus Rex and Tyrannosaurus Batar. That's what they're talking about changing it to. And it may be possible. They may, they may change one of them to Tyrannosaurus Batar. That would mean there would be two dinosaurs with the same first name. But that happens a lot. Do you know that Stegosaurus, there's a couple of Stegosauruses, Stegosaurus stenops, Stegosaurus undulatus, Stegosaurus armatus, Stegosaurus longispinus. Some of those may not be valid anymore, but my point is there's more than one dinosaur named Tyrannosaurus. I mean, named Stegosaurus. So we could do the same thing with Tarbosaurus. If the scientists decide that Tarbosaurus's name should be changed to Tyrannosaurus, its last name would stay the same, which is Batar. So, for now, it's Tarbosaurus, and maybe it will stay that way. But regardless, this is a big, big carnivore. Biggest carnivore in Asia. The name Tarbosaurus in English means alarming lizard. Now, remember, remember, the word saurus means lizard. That's a Latin word that means lizard. Paleontologists know that meat-eating dinosaurs are not as closely related to lizards as they are to birds, because birds and carnivorous dinosaurs are literally the same kind of animal. But they still continue to use the word saurus because that's what, for, that's what the first paleontologists called dinosaurs. Dinosaurs meant terrible lizards. So when I say alarming lizard, that doesn't mean scientists think this thing is a lizard, but that's just what the word saurus means. So alarming is like scared, like you should be scared. Like when an alarm goes off, we immediately become concerned. If a fire alarm goes off, we immediately become concerned. If, a, if an alarm in a store goes off, we immediately get worried. Well, 
The name Alarming Lizard would be if you looked up and saw Tarbosaurus coming towards you. Oh, yeah, baby. You better be alarmed. (laughs) You're going to be alarmed because this thing is a big, big dude. How big? It's 10 meters long. That's 33 feet long. It's 14 feet tall. That's 4.3 meters tall. It weighed. This is nuts. This is absolutely nuts. It weighed five tons. Five tons. That's that's more than a modern elephant. Most elephants, more than an Asian elephant. It lived during the late Cretaceous period, somewhere between 70 and 68 million years ago. It lived in Mongolia and China, that area. And it's a big dude. Now, it is probably not fast. There's nothing about it that suggests that it's fast. So that leads us to the question, well, how did it hunt? What was its hunting style? Now, if you've ever heard me talk about Tyrannosaurus Rex, a lot of times you'll hear me say that I think it's possible that they may have hunted and lived in groups, in small groups. And that would make sense for a dinosaur like Tarbosaurus, because if you're slow and you're big, you really only have one method of hunting. You only have one hunting style. That is you have to hide. You have to wait till something walks by close enough without seeing you. And then you have to come racing out as quickly as you can to grab the food. Now, that sounds like a great way to hunt. but carnivores are never very successful when it comes to hunting their prey. That's true with almost all carnivores. Like a lion may have to try 10 times to finally catch a zebra. A cheetah doesn't always catch its prey. A tiger doesn't always catch its prey. A great white shark doesn't always catch their prey. That's not how nature works. So when you're as big as Tarbosaurus, you've got to be pretty successful. Because it takes a lot of your energy to come running out of a hiding place to catch your food. If you don't catch it, think of your body as an engine of a vehicle. And if you don't fill your gas tank or you don't recharge your battery, you can't function. Well, that's the same thing. That's the same thing with dinosaurs like Tarbosaurus. They are burning up their energy. They are using up their calories to try to catch their food. They have to be successful a couple of times or they're simply going to starve. So hunting by yourself doesn't make you very successful. Tigers are an exception. Tigers hunt by themselves. Most cats hunt by themselves, except for tigers. I mean, lions, but like bobcats and mountain lions, they hunt by themselves. Servals, leopards. They like to hunt by themselves, but they have an advantage that Tarbosaurus doesn't have. They can be relatively small. They can hide in uh, vegetation very easily. But Tarbosaurus is giant. Where can it hide? And it has to find a perfect spot to hide. It has to be a place where either dinosaurs are walking past it to go get water or to find food. And once a predator has found a spot, And it attacks all of the other herbivores that see it will remember that spot. So Tarbosaurus can't keep going to the exact same spot day after day after day, because ultimately they're going to realize, look, that's a bad place. 
and nothing will come close. Then you can't catch anything. So all of that leads me to believe that it is possible that Tarbosaurus may have hunted in groups because that changes the game. That changes the game, baby, because now you can set up ambushes and that's more effective. That means you find a spot where a big adult or a couple or three big adults can wait for animals. The younger, faster members of the Tarbosaurus family go out and try to chase prey towards their hiding adults. That means the prey is running. The prey is looking over its shoulder to see where the one behind it is that's chasing it without realizing they're running into a trap. That's a much more effective way of catching food. So it's certainly possible. It's possible that Tarbosaurus is hunted in groups. The only way to know that for sure is if you happen to find a place where you find multiple, multiple members of the family all found together at the same time. Like we see that with um, uh, Maposaurus and we see that with um, Albertosaurus, where they find young and old alike together. That's a pretty good indication. That's a pretty good indication that those animals lived together because they died together. And that would suggest that at least for a while they were together. And that to me would suggest that they are living in family groups because it makes more sense to hunt in a family. Now, when Tarbosaurus was born, born, it's not going to be a giant animal when it's born. It's going to be relatively small, probably about the, the length of say, Oh, I don't know. What's a good animal to choose? Maybe the length of a medium-sized dog. Maybe that's how big they were. Maybe a little bit bigger than, than uh, say, a bear cub. Now, they probably grew very quickly, but, but they absolutely cannot survive on their own on the day they're born, in my opinion. I don't believe that they could survive. There's too many dangers. There's too many threats. So I personally believe, I personally believe that an adult or both adults or maybe a group, maybe a group of uh, Tarbosauruses raised the young until they were big enough to take care of themselves. I, I just think that when an animal has a baby, if the female goes through the process of laying an egg and having a baby, unless they're laying 100 or 150 eggs at a time, they can't just walk away and hope the baby hatches. I just don't believe that. That's different with snakes and turtles and lizards. They can lay dozens, 20, 30, 40 eggs, more. There's a good chance that a lot of the ant babies are going to get eaten, but not all of them. But when you're a Tarbosaurus, you're probably only laying two eggs at a time. And you can't hope that they just hatch and grow up. I believe personally that they are being fed when they're babies. So they're small when they, when they hatch, but they grow really quickly. And in a very short amount of time, maybe six months, they are already probably capable of chasing and helping catch prey. And with the chompers, these things have in their mouth. Listen, man, even a baby is going to have an incredible bite force. The thickness of the jaws, the size of the teeth, 
This is truly what is known as an apex predator. Apex meaning the top. The top predator is in Asia. It was Tyrannosaurus. I mean, I'm sorry, Tarbosaurus Batar. I already wanted to change its name to Tyrannosaurus Batar. Tarbosaurus Batar. Here's the last thing I want to talk about this dinosaur, because this is pretty interesting. How could a dinosaur like Tarbosaurus that is so closely related to Tyrannosaurus that some people think they should both be named Tyrannosaurus, how did one end up in North America and the other end up in Asia? I bet a lot of you know the answer to this. I bet a lot of you right now are saying, because all of the land used to be connected. And that meant that the dinosaurs that led up to Tyrannosaurus and Tarbosaurus, they could have walked from North America to Asia. But over time, as the land masses slowly separated, that kept some of those animals on one side of the continent and some on the other, but they're still closely related. And that is how we have dinosaurs in Asia that look so much like dinosaurs in North America, because there was a time that their ancestors were able to literally walk, migrate, travel from one country to the other. And that brings up the last thing I want to say about Tarbosaurus. I believe that these animals were territorial and they were constantly moving. If you were young, you had to travel to find an area that you could claim as your own. Because if they weren't territorial, if they didn't mind other members of the family being around, they wouldn't really have a reason to migrate and ultimately end up in two different countries. There would be no reason for that. They would, they wouldn't mind each other, but I think they were territorial and that means they were being chased off by bigger members of this group. And so if you are a young Tyrannosaurus or a young Tarbosaurus and the adults are chasing you away. You need to go to a new area so you can find a place of your own. And when you're big enough to defend it and you're big enough to hold it, then the next generation, you're going to chase them off and they're going to go farther and they're going to keep going farther and farther until they are hundreds, maybe thousands of miles away from each other. And that's how they expanded. Then when the land masses broke up, wherever they were, that's where they stayed. So. Tarbosaurus is a remarkable dinosaur. I absolutely love it. I would advise all of you, if you can, to go um, learn more about Tarbosaurus, if you'd like, when you see pictures of it with the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Tyrannosaurus Rex was a little bigger than Tarbosaurus Batar, but they're so they're both very closely related and both would have been apex predators of their time. All right. Uh, let me catch my breath for a second. Um, let's talk about virtual lessons. I told you that I just did one for Henry's birthday this morning. So let me, uh, play a little information about that. And when we come back, I've got a couple of birthday shout outs to Patreon club members. I want to, I want to announce. Hey kids, you can have a private virtual lesson with dinosaur George, have him speak at your birthday party or have a lesson just for you. Lessons last 45 minutes and are available to all countries and time zones. Visit our store at DinosaurGeorge.com and order your own private lesson today. 
Hey, one thing I want to mention about virtual lessons or private lessons is sometimes it's hard to find available dates. So just know that in advance that sometimes because my schedule is so busy, I, I may not have a whole lot of uh, available dates. I know a lot of parents will contact us and ask if I can do a birthday uh, lesson and I'm just not available for that particular day. So just be aware of that. All right. So my patron club, I sent out a message to my patron club members asking them to tell me if they have a birthday in June. And so I wanted to make some happy birthday announcements to all of my June dinosaur club members. First is Anastasia Soros Rex. What a great name. Um, I mean, yeah, Anna Anastasia Soros Rex. What a great name. We'll be turning 10 on June 20th. Happy birthday to you. Velociraptor. That's great. Velociraptor. We'll be turning 11th on June. Uh, we'll be turning 11 on June 30th. Happy birthday to you. Uh, Dino Christopher Grawl will be turning 33, who already did on June the 3rd, just a couple of days ago. Christopher is an example of someone who is living their dream, working at a museum, talking to people, explaining things about dinosaurs. Christopher is, I, I wish I could remember off the top of my head which museum you can find him at. But Christopher, I just want to wish you a happy birthday. And I was late wishing it to you through Facebook, which I apologize. But certainly happy birthday to you and you keep up the good work. Uh, Luca Rex turned seven in April, but I miss Luca Rex's. In fact, I just started doing this. So all of my Patreon club members who had a birthday before June, I know it's, it's not fair because I'm just starting to do this now. And I missed a lot of your birthdays. Don't have your feelings hurt. Just understand I had to start sometime. So hopefully every month I'll give a shout out to everyone having a birthday, but Luca Rex you absolutely deserve a shout out and a birthday greeting, uh, even though I'm two months late on yours. Uh, this is Velocivedant here. Hey, buddy. Velocivedant turns seven on June 25th. Happy birthday, my friend. And then Nora, beautiful Nora, is turning 11 on June 20th. Nora, I uh, happy birthday to you. You're always such a pleasant person to see and talk to. So happy birthday to you. Nico Raptor will turn seven on June the 6th. That is today. Today. Happy birthday. Wait a minute. I'm not going to sing happy birthday because when I do, that little cha-cha-cha Raptor shows up and attacks everything and ruins everything. But since it is your birthday, let me see if I can find something to sing happy. Okay. We're going to get this baby T-Rex to sing happy birthday. Let's all hope. Cha-cha-cha raptor doesn't come up and ruin it. All right, first, everybody look around. Is it here anywhere? Does anybody see it? All right, it's not in the studio. Let's go. Here we go. Happy birthday to you. Cha-cha-cha. Did you guys hear that? Sorry. Happy birthday to you. I'm going to eat you for breakfast. All right. It's in here somewhere. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm very sorry. Nico. Sorry. Uh, and spit out your shoes. 
There it is. Come over. Come here, you. Hold on a minute, everybody. I said come back here. Somebody catch him. He's going. Ow. Get him, get him away. Get him away from me. I'm sorry. That little raptor just ruins everything. Get him out of here. Let's keep going. <laughs> Daniel Rex is turning five on June the 16th. Love listening to your podcast. You make them fun and interesting for us both. Thank you for all the hard work. Hey, listen, thank you guys. Thank you guys. And thank you for listening with Daniel. That's very, very kind. And that's what a great parent. Uh, thank you so much. So happy birthday to you uh, in another couple of days, buddy. Let's see. Uh, let's see. I'm just saying this because July comes after June. Uh, okay. So Jackson just wanted me to know that on July 20th, he's turning seven. Well, Jackson, I'll make sure. I'll make sure to give you a shout out come July. I promise. All right. Uh, Kenneth just turned seven on May 27th. So that was very close. So Kenneth, happy birthday to you. Uh, Cause you're right. That's very, very close. Uh, let's see. Dallas will be nine on June the 18th. Hey, happy birthday, my friend. Uh, let's see. Poland Tyrannus will be six years old on Saturday, June 11th. He's going to celebrate by seeing the new Jurassic Park movie. Oh, and having a dino-themed birthday. Hey, man, that's the way to do it. That's the way to do it. That is so cool. Happy birthday to you. Boz, who was known as Bozasaurus, turned six on June 1st, so I missed your birthday but happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, my little friend. And I see for your birthday, you got a year membership as the T-Rex Club. Well, happy birthday. As a matter of fact, everybody that I'm reading, every birthday greetings, these are all T-Rex members. Uh, and then, oh, this is so good. Elise and Dinosaur Ranger Anthony are celebrating their 10-year anniversary on June 9th. So that's only a couple of days from now. Dinosaur Ranger Anthony has... Uh, done what I did 25 years ago. He has decided to create his own company and start teaching about dinosaurs. Good for you. Good luck to you, my friend. And I know you're going to be a major success. Very good. Okay. Navion, man is, uh, mine is in July 13th. So that's still a month away. I'll get you next month. I promise Navion. And uh, so anyway, that is my Patreon club T-Rex member birthday shout outs to all of you. I hope that you all uh, have or had a great birthday and uh, good for all of you. And for everyone out there selling a braiding a birthday, good for you. Let's answer a couple of Dinosaur George questions. Do you have any questions about dinosaurs? Just ask Dinosaur George. You can post your questions on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page or click on the Dinosaur George podcast page at dinosaurgeorge.com. Questions are chosen at random and you can submit as many as you want. And now, here's Dinosaur George. All right, this question comes from Bo Ceratops, who is a member of the Patreon Club. Would Archaeopotamus be able to chomp Dinosuchus in half like modern hippos can chomp crocodiles in half? What an interesting question. Archaeopotamus would not have, it's a, it's a very powerful animal, but it would not have the jaw strength to be able to, to chomp Dinosuchus in half. It just simply couldn't do that because Dinosuchus is so much bigger, but it could absolutely do that to smaller ones absolutely do that to smaller ones okay let's see this is from um oh what a great name 
This is from Charlotte Malamegalodon. What a great name. IDG, when I was watching Prehistoric Planet, I noticed that some types of long-necked dinosaurs had something that looked like balloons along its necks. Did these dinosaurs have their body, have them on their body? You know, Charlotte, I don't think they did. I don't think there's any evidence to support that. Uh, and I think I, I think I covered this before. I think someone asked me this question in the last podcast. When when they make movies for television, sometimes they can make guesses about things that we may not know for sure. And they look at modern animals as the things that they kind of base these off of. Like you can't just say that a dinosaur breathes fire. You can't just say that because there's no evidence whatsoever to support that. But if there were fire breathing animals and they had similarities to an animal that lived in the past, you might be able to, to come up with that idea. So looking at frogs who can inflate their, their throat pouches, looking at their birds that can do it. Some can do it with their head. Um, some animals can use their snouts as a way to inflate them to make sound. There are birds that can puff up their chest. There are birds that have those throat pouches. So there are certainly animals that have that feature. But I don't know of any evidence whatsoever that supports that sauropods had that. Now, maybe there's something I'm not, I don't know about, but to, to my understanding, there's not. But again, when you watch that, when you, when you watch shows like that, remember, they are not always made to be lessons. They are made to be entertainment. And there is a difference between them. School lessons can be entertaining, but when you learn in school, you are learning based on the facts, not what somebody's imagination is. But when you watch a show like prehistoric planet, a lot of it is going to be the imagination of the writers or the producer, whoever came up with the show doesn't mean it's right or wrong. It just means that sometimes they want to add things that get people to look at animals differently. I like that. When I made the Jurassic Fight Club show, I had so many people furious at me saying, well, this can't do this, this can't do that. And my answer was always, how do you know? And plus, if it gets you to think about things differently, then that is a success. Now, there's certainly some shows that completely mislead people. Like they're made, like the, the one that comes to mind is the one about Megalodon. That's completely fabricated. There was absolutely no evidence for that. That was simply made up. It was meant to trick people. I don't like those shows at all. I don't like that at all. But uh, it, with Prehistoric Planet, it's a well-made show. I saw a couple of personal friends of mine who were the paleontologists in it, which is great. Glad that they're getting some recognition. But um, some of that stuff is is just ideas that they have. Okay, good question. All right, Xander, age five, wonders if Tyrannosaurus hunted, scavenger both. If they did hunt, did they ever hunt in packs? Ah, perfect timing for this question, Xander, because I mentioned it talking in our feature creature about Tarbosaurus and probably hunting in a group. But what I didn't mention about Tarbosaurus that I always mention about Tyrannosaurus is everything about Tyrannosaurus and Tarbosaurus shows that these are hunters. They are not scavenging. And the reason why I say that is taking food away from another animal is not always the best way to get your food. Because first of all, some of it's gone. 
Second of all, it might be really old. So unless you have a whole lot of predators killing prey all around you and you just walk over and steal it, you have to hunt it. Remember I talked about their bodies being like an engine and they either needed to recharge the battery or refill their gas tank? If you, if you live off of scavenging, the problem with that is that you may not always find enough food to be able to do that. And so um, it's, just, it's just very, very important that you remember that um, you can't make a living being a scavenger unless you can travel hundreds of miles without burning up any energy. And that, my friends, is vultures. They can simply glide. They don't burn up their energy. They can glide hundreds of miles in search of food. And so that's what they can do. And so I would absolutely say that um, when you um, when you are big and you need a lot of food, you cannot simply hope to find it dead by somebody else. So they certainly would take food away from other animals. They're big enough to do it. So Xander, I think mostly they're a hunter. But secondarily, if the food was available to them, they would probably scavenge. All right. Alex from Oxfordshire, UK, would like to ask how big a homocephaly was and what sort of thing it ate. Uh, Alex would also like to say that he's been to the Oxford Natural History Museum and it was uh, that was featured at the beginning of the episode of Prehistoric Planet. He loves the T-Rex there. Nice. Nice. I'm glad you went to that museum. I've never been, Alex, but I'm going to go. So, Alex, how big was homolocephaly? Well, homolocephaly is a member of the uh, pachycephalosaur family. But the difference here is rather having a round dome head, it's got kind of a flat head. So, homolocephaly looks different from other members of the pachycephalosaur family because the, the what would be the round dome at the top of his head is actually sort of a flattened, a uh, flat, but it's but it's armored. So he could certainly use it for headbutting. In fact, I think homolocephaly is probably one of the few pachycephalosaurs that could headbutt. If any of you know what I'm talking about, good for you. If you don't, you need to go back and listen to my podcast on pachycephalosaurus. I explain completely. So I'm not going to give the answer why I think homocephaly would be more of a headbutter, but I will say this. It's got a flat skull. So if any of you are... um. If any of you have access to the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, go post on there why you think I think homocephaly would be a head butter. All right, let's keep going. Uh, this is from Connorsaurus. How good was Giganotosaurus's eyesight? Were the teeth as big a T-Rex? Well, let me tell you something, Connorsaurus. I have a Giganotosaurus skull coming to me. It's going to be on exhibit in my museum. That's right. Now, its eyesight was probably not as advanced or good as the eyesight of Tyrannosaurus because its skull is a little different. It had probably fairly good eyesight, but it wasn't as really good as Tyrannosaurus. So how big were its teeth? Well, compare a Giganotosaurus's tooth to a Tyrannosaurus rex's tooth. They're totally different. They're big, but they're very thin and blade-like. T-Rex's teeth look like armor-piercing shells from World War I or II. They have these big, thick, 
powerful teeth, whereas Giganotosaurus's teeth are better designed. They're better designed as a way to um, slice through meat, but not crunch bone. So I believe, I believe that Giganotosaurus's eyesight was probably good, but not excellent. And its teeth may have been as long as a Tyrannosaurus Rex's teeth, but they were not the same shape. All right, Poland wants to know, were there any dinosaurs that looked like carnivores, but were actually herbivores? I'm mostly curious about their teeth. Did Giganotosaurus actually have a ridge on its back? And does Mosasaurus actually have a second st- a strongest bite force compared to T-Rex? All right. Uh, hey, listen. Uh, and also, Paula says, my mommy is reading me the book Raptor Red. Raptor Red is an excellent book. I love Raptor Red. I listened to it on tape once, and it's a great book. I love it. And it's it's certainly very, it's scientifically based. Dr. Robert Bacher wrote it, and he made it scientifically based. But as for how the animal behaves, well, nobody knows for sure how that worked, but it's a great book. All right, so let's go to your first one. Were there dinosaurs that looked like carnivores, but were actually herbivores? Well, there were definitely some dinosaurs with canine teeth. I'm trying to think of one at the top of my head. Heterodontosaurus is an example. They've got sharp, pointy teeth, but they're plant eaters. So um, there are animals today like that. You know, there's a deer with canine teeth. looks like a saber-toothed deer, but it's a plant eater. So there are certainly some plant-eating dinosaurs that had teeth that maybe looked like it. Some people think, um, me included, I think Pachycephalosaurus may have been an omnivore because it's got some big sharp teeth in the front of its mouth, but it also has plant eating teeth in the back. So yeah, I think there definitely were some that had carnivore like teeth that were used probably for fighting with one another, but they weren't used for eating meat. And then your question about did Giganotosaurus actually have a ridge on its back? No, uh, that was put in Jurassic World. You've probably seen that in the ad for Jurassic World that's coming out this week, uh, this Friday. But there is no evidence that I'm aware of that they have a ridge. But keep in mind, in all of the Jurassic Park and Jurassic World franchise, those dinosaurs were made in a laboratory. So they're not going to be like the prehistoric version. They're all made in a laboratory so they can look different. And maybe that's why they gave it a small ridge on its back. As for Mosasaurus having the second strongest bite force compared to T-Rex, I don't know. Um, Megalodon's bite force, T-Rex's bite force, Dunkelosteus, uh, Dinosuchus, all of these animals probably had tremendously powerful bite forces. But there is no way to say with certainty, there's absolutely no way to say for certain which animal had the strongest bite force because that's not something we can test they can certainly use um uh, they could certainly use different ways to estimate it but unless you can put something in the animal's mouth and get it to bite down as hard as it can there is just no way there's just no way that we can say with certainty um there's no way we can say with certainty what the bite force would be like. All right, let's jump over now into the Dinosaur George Kids group page. I want to see what's going on over there. Cole Raptor, 
posted a really cool picture of Triceratops versus T-Rex versus Raptor. That is so cool. My mom just signed me up for the Raptor Club. Welcome, and I know you are El Stinko. Well, welcome to... Wait one minute. Cole Raptor, are you kidding me, child? Did you just say I am El Stinko? No one knows the identity of El Stinko. Stronger than the Hulk. Faster than the Flash. Greener than the Green Lantern. Wait, is Green Lantern green? I don't know. Greener than Green Lantern. No one knows the identity. (laughs) And I like your dinosaurs. And welcome to the club, buddy. That's too cool. Hang on a second. Uh, Hey, I think you've got a video. Let me see. Let me see if I can. Let me turn this thing on. Dinosaur George, my battle is... Oh, hang on. Let me start that again. Okay, go. Hi, Dinosaur George. My battle is my raptor versus my triceratops versus my T-Rex. My raptor is way oversized, by the way. And let's see who... Oh, everybody's looking at that raptor. Okay. You know. Ah! Okay. Well, Cole Raptor, that was absolutely spectacular. That was an amazing battle. But the fact that you think I'm El Stinko, child. Oh, oh, you're so wrong. You're so wrong. But I loved your battle. That's very cool. All right, my friend, J.W. Thomas, posted on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. Just a heads up about the movie coming. Everybody's excited. Everybody's excited. You guys want to know something? Do you know on the day that the movie is released, I am driving I'm driving from uh, Dallas to San Antonio. So do you know that I will not, I will not get the opportunity to see the movie on opening day because I'm traveling with my traveling dinosaur museum, but that's okay. I'll have plenty of time to see it later on. All right. um, Let's see here. Here's a picture of a Margosaurus. Uh, using its spikes to protect itself. Oh, drawn by Navian. No, listen, Navian, so proud of you. That's exactly what I told you to do on the podcast that I did on Amargosaurus. Love your picture. I like those spikes pointing up and I love the colors. What a great job you did. I'm very, very proud of you. Shout out to you. That's really, really good. All right, Emerson, Amargosaurus. What a great name. Made a display after the Amargosaurus episode to share with DG. Hey, this is great. This is really good. I like this. This is a great... Man, you've got some cool toys. And I like that Amargosaurus a lot, Emerson. I really like Amargosaurus. I really like that. I like your dinosaur claws, by the way. That's great. Mom or dad or whoever posted this, thank you so much for doing that. That's very kind. Jules wanted to share his dinosaur drawings Each has a description. Well, let's see what you've got. Here we have a T-Rex hunting an Amargosaurus. Once again, another beautiful picture of Amargosaurus that you guys did. And then uh, these dinosaurs are playing soccer. The Ankylosaurus has the ball. The Giganotosaurus is saying, you can't get past me. And the Ankylosaurus is saying, yes, I can. The T-Rex is saying, you're not getting away. All right, this is a great drawing. I love this, and I like the whole story behind that. That is too cool. And here is Bruno at the Natural History Museum in Los Angeles. 
uh, and uh, and his Herrera source collection. So hang on a second, Bruno. Let's go in here and let's listen to what you are saying on your uh, video. Let's play it. Let's hear it. That is amazing. Allosaurus versus Stegosaurus. And you know I like Allosaurus, Bruno. And thank you so much. And I love your Herrerasaurus drawing and everything you have about Herrerasaurus because you heard that on the Herrerasaurus podcast. I am so proud of you. That's great. And that museum looks amazing. Absolutely amazing. And thank you for taking the time to record that for me and posted that. That is just the coolest thing in the world. Um, let's see. Hi, Dinosaur George. This morning, Odin wants to know who would win, T-Rex or Scorpius Rex. I'll try to include that when I do that here in just a second. All right. Oh, this one is great. This is from the Dasgupta family, one of your biggest fans, always talking to you, uh, always talking about you, Dinosaur George. He says, you are awesome, El Stinko. Well, that... What did you just say to me, kid? What? What did you just... Did you just call me? Did you just call me El Stinko? Is did I did I read that correctly? Did you just call me El Stinko? You. How could you do such a thing? How could you possibly do such a thing? And that's absolutely amazing by the way. <laughs> and I lo- I loved it. <laughs> I absolutely love it. And that's a great smile, and that's a cool dinosaur. But I'm not El Stinko. No one knows the identity of El Stinko. No one. No one knows the identity. More dangerous than Wolverine. Stronger eyesight than Cyclops. No one knows El Stinko. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Phinizosaurus made a fossil cast last weekend at the World Terrell Museum. He also wanted to share a picture of the world's largest dinosaur and ask who would win, Dinosaur George or this giant T-Rex. Well, let me tell you something, my friend. No one would be able to beat me because I have super stink bombs under my... I'm sorry. I meant I could call El Stinko, who has super stink bombs under his arms, and El Stinko can come and save me because nobody can defeat me. I love the Royal Terrell Museum, by the way. That's the cool. That's the coolest. All right. Let's see. Um, okay. This is great. This is from the Chase family. Caveman versus Velociraptor. Well, the caveman uh, looks like he's uh, getting ready to attack. Wait. I'm not the caveman, am I? No. Better not be. The caveman is about to fight this Velociraptor. And this is going to. Wait. Are you saying I look like a caveman? Because that caveman doesn't have any hair. It can't be me. Okay, let's keep going. So I think this fight would be, because if you're saying, I look like a caveman, oh, you're in so much trouble, kid. You're in so much trouble. You stinking kids. Stinking kids. And finally, IDG, I've been listening to your podcast a lot, and I drew an Amargosaurus for you. Also, here's a picture of a Lego man frozen in ice. By by nice breathing Carnotaurus. Hey, that's cool. One last thing. Caprasuchus is my favorite dinosaur. Can you do, please do a podcast on it? 
Well, Chetosaurus, I would love to do one on Caprosuchus because I love it. I absolutely love it. And I really love your drawing of your Amargosaurus, which is amazing. And I love your your ice-breathing Carnotaurus. These are all absolutely amazing. Thank all of you for being so kind to send them. One last thing I want to mention. I see Hannah Raptor is riding a dinosaur, and I just think this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. She's actually riding around on a dinosaur. That's got to be be the coolest thing I think I've ever seen in my entire life. All right, my friends, that takes care of the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group. If you would like to be a member of that group, it is free. It's no charge whatsoever. Anyone can join, and that's where you can post your cool pictures. You can post videos, and I will try to include them in a podcast. All right, let me catch my breath. And how am I going to catch my breath? By sitting here for about 20 seconds and getting ready for... Who would win? What if two different prehistoric creatures fought? Who would win? T-Rex versus a giant wolf? Raptor versus Terror Bird? Spinosaurus versus Triceratops. You choose the animals, and Dinosaur George will size them up and pick a winner. Now, get ready. It's time to find out who would win. Ladies and gentlemen, it's time to do battle. Now, to submit a Who Would Win, you have to be a member of the Tyrannosaurus Rex Club in Patreon. So all of these were submitted by Patreon T-Rex members. Let's go. We're going to start with Coromina Rex. A great name. Dinochirus versus a Cayman. This is an interesting fight. I like these fights where you have two different animals from two different time periods. I like these. So Dinochirus, of course, has those gigantic claws. Caimans are going to be very quick when in the water, right? In the water, they're going to be hard to catch. A caiman doesn't reach giant size, so it's probably never going to attack a dinochirus unless maybe it was depend- defending its babies. The problem is that dinochirus's claws and arms are so long, the caiman could never get close. It could never get close because it couldn't get in close enough. The minute it tries to attack, it's going to get those claws in its back. And even though caimans are armored, caimans are armored, they're not going to have enough and en- are not armor to prevent the, the hit. And what I mean by that is you don't have to stab the prey to kill it. You can punch it hard enough or hit it hard enough to where that could kill it alone. And Dinochirus definitely had the arms and claws to do that. So I think in this particular case, Coromina Rex, I think Dinochirus is absolutely going to be the winner. Now, Noah asked another one, and this one I'm going to answer because it involves today's feature creature, and that is Dinochirus versus Tarbosaurus. Both of these are gigantic Asian animals. Tarbosaurus, of course, being the most powerful of the two. But Dinochirus, again, a second question about Dinochirus. Dinochirus's arms and claws are a very strong deterrent. You are not going to get in close to be able to get a bite. 
because its arms. Have you ever seen a picture of an anteater standing up on its back legs with its arms spread to defend itself? If you've never seen that, go on YouTube or go Google anteater defending itself. They stand up on their back legs and they have immensely large claws on their front arms. And they stand there with their arms spread saying, come on in, come in and see what you're going to get. And so they're definitely going to have the advantage of those claws. And so I believe that in this particular case, Noah, I still think Dinochirus could keep Tarbosaurus at bay. And at some point in time, a carnivore cannot continue the fight. It's burning through its energy. It has to be able to recover the energy. And if it doesn't, it will literally starve to death. So it's going to come up and approach it, but it's going to back off pretty quickly, I believe. All right. Uh, Quentin wants to know who would win, Spinosaurus from Jurassic Park 3 versus Giganotosaurus from Dominion. Well, since I haven't seen enough of the Giganotosaurus from Dominion to know what kind of power they've given this thing, and worse, who they, if they uh, uh, mix DNA from some other dinosaurs, Right now, I would say the Spinosaurus would be my winner because I know what it can do. But, Quentin, that could change. That could change after watching Dominion. We may look at Giganotosaurus and go, oh, this dude is a monster. That's a great question. That's a good one, though. So let's see if my, we'll see if my mind changes after I watch the movie. All right. Emery wants to know, Emery Rex wants to know, T-Rex versus Velociraptor. Well, Here is a case, Emery, of speed versus gigantism. Velociraptor has speed. It could run circles around T-Rex. T-Rex is probably never going to grab it because Velociraptor can simply jump out of the way. It's like when people are uh, like, if a big animal is chasing a small animal, a small animal could just run circles around it. and The big animal can't turn fast enough. That would be the case with Velociraptor versus T-Rex. But velociraptors even though they could jump onto the legs and maybe even crawl up the side of it their claws could never do enough damage to do anything so even if the velociraptors don't get now if there's if t-rex gets one bite game over one bite would end a velociraptor instantly game over but velociraptors are going to be able to keep their distance but remember what i talked about your engine oh you can run circles around them all day long but you're going to get tired. You're going to get hungry. You're going to get thirsty. And if you slow down, T-Rex is going to get you. And that's going to be the end of that. So I believe that T-Rex would clearly be the winner if it could ever catch Velociraptor or if it wore Velociraptor down by running nonstop. But I don't know. That's an interesting one. All right. This is from Joel. Dinosaur George versus Deinonychus, and then Dinosaur George versus T-Rex with a nose plug. All right, first of all, why would you put me in with a Deinonychus to start off with? That thing is going to eat me for lunch. And then, even worse, even worse, you put me in with the Tyrannosaurus Rex, and you give it nose plugs so my stink bombs can't affect it? This is cheating. I call cheating. This is cheating. I will not be a part of cheating. But here's what would happen. Deinonychus rushes in, claws front, feet in the air, claws waiting to attack. And I simply lift up my arm 
and a green foam comes out and oozes through the air like a cloud of green smoke. And it gets on the Deinonychus. And the Deinonychus grabs its throat, looks at me and screams, It stinks! It stinks! OMG, it stinks! And I say, Wow! I didn't even know Deinonychus could speak English. (laughs) And then ask for Tyrannosaurus Rex. Okay, so Tyrannosaurus Rex. Tyrannosaurus Rex with a nose plug. Let me tell you something. That's cheating, kid. I'm not even going to go to that fight. I'm going to run and hide because I'm a coward. I mean, I'm a hero. All right. Last one is from Susie Soros. Susie Soros. My little least would love you to answer her. Who would win? DG riding on an Allosaurus with all your stink bombs versus a T-Rex versus a Diplodocus. Well, thank you for your podcast, Uncle G, and hi to all our club friends. Well, hey there, Susie Soros. Nice to have my niece write to me. All right. So if I'm riding on an Allosaurus and I've got my stink bombs, nothing, nothing is going to be able to win. Child, you should know my stink can stop a dinosaur. And there's not a lot of people that can say something like that. Not a lot of people can say, my stink can stop a dinosaur. All right, my little friends, that is it for today's podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you're all enjoying yourselves. I hope you are being kind, everyone. Making new friends. Looking to see if some kids don't have a lot of friends and maybe you could be their friend. Sharing your love of dinosaurs with everybody you know. Keep reading books. Keep watching shows. I hope you all enjoy the new Jurassic World if you're going to watch it. I hope I get a chance to watch it without being so busy. Pretty soon, I will be posting some pictures on the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook page uh, about my new exhibit. If you are a member of Patreon, you will definitely be seeing pictures. And if you are a T-Rex member, I'm going to be sending you some first pictures so nobody is, you get to see it before anybody else. But you will all get a chance to see it. If you ever come to San Antonio, I hope you will stop in and see me at Trader's Village. Until next time, my friends, be kind to everybody. Be nice to your family. Tell your parents you love them. And I will see you all soon. to Dinosaur George Kids. Join the Dinosaur George Kids Facebook group, become a member of our Patreon club, and check out our website store for cool fossils, rocks, and crystals. Visit dinosaurgeorge.com for details. Until next time, keep digging for knowledge.